With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bell is here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got a lot to get to, some good and some uh, pretty bad. Uh, We'll get to a little bit of everything on today's show on football and basketball. We've got some news in the front portion. Um, After that, we've got some recruiting stuff. There's, of course, a new commitment. Uh, for Wisconsin, which I think is a big pickup that we'll get into. There's some some offers to the class of 2023. So we'll hit on all that before we get into the Wisconsin basketball recording fiasco that has taken place this week. It seems like it's been a few days since then, um, since that all kind of came out, but we haven't had a chance to discuss it. But there's a lot, I think, to unpack with what happened there um, at a lot of different levels. So it'll be interesting to kind of talk through that and, and get that out and and just see the opinions, because I know there's a lot of varying opinions about the situation and, and what kind of went down. Um, if you listen to the 37 minutes of audio that was released, it's it's very interesting on a lot of different levels, so we'll certainly get into all of that in the back half. So plenty to get to, despite it being uh, late June. There's a, a lot of news going on, and we'll touch on everything. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing great. Yeah, no, this is a jam-packed episode. Lots of good in terms of some recruiting momentum. The Badgers have been really clicking on all cylinders in terms of gaining commitments uh, over the past, really it's just been under a week um, that they've just been, you know, bringing in lots of guys. But then, yeah, the basketball stuff at the end of the show will, will also be uh, a fairly sizable portion of this talk. How are you doing, yeah. man? I'm good. Yeah, a lot to get to for sure um, with which each, each of those, um, some good, some not so good, like we said at the top. But uh, we'll start with the news because there's a few things to hit on. And the first part of news is uh, certainly good news. Um, UW announced no capacity limits for athletic events uh, for this fall. So that includes Wisconsin football, Wisconsin volleyball, of course, as well. So Really exciting times. I know we've been trending in that direction, so it's not a huge surprise, but we hadn't heard officially that that was going to be the case. So until we got that green light, everyone was kind of just waiting. Um, but now it sounds like September 4th is going to have 80,000 rocking fans at Penn State, and I know uh, it's going to be a cool moment the first time to see a full crowd. I mean, it's been awesome if you've been watching sports just on TV to have crowds back. You know, I think we all maybe took it for granted a little bit how much crowds mean to the to sports as a whole, but I think uh, for Wisconsin fans, and if you're a devoted Badger fan, and if you're listening to this, you likely are, seeing an empty Camp Randall last year was was pretty tough. So to have that back, to have the Fieldhouse back, to have the Cole Center you know, packed full of people once again is going to be awesome. So what did you make of that, and just how excited are you? Oh, it's, it's absolutely awesome, not only for the fan experience, you know, as people who have season tickets, being able to go to the game, be able to, to take in that experience, for the players to be able to get back to a, some sort of normalcy, be able to play in front of them. I mean, you look at it, they're coming on official visits right now for the football and basketball teams. They're, they're looking at these venues thinking about how many people are there in there in that stadium when you go from, hey, playing in a high school stadium where you might have 5,000 people in the stands um, compared to, boom, you've got 85,000-plus, you know, going about everything in, in the the ambiance around the game and everything. So I'm excited about that. But you also have to be excited for the athletic department in a lot of ways because we know about the shortcomings of last year where, you know, the – economic impact of everything involved, not only for the athletic department, but really for the city of Madison in general. I mean, there's a lot of money that 
um, wasn't brought in for local businesses that they are needing. Um, and so I think overall it's it's wildly exciting. And I think just to, to see everything come together and hopefully it keeps trending in this direction, I think it's, it's definitely something for fans to be excited for. And I, I personally am extremely pumped for it. Yeah, it's going to be a really nice moment, that first Badger football game, uh, for sure, just to be able to see the, the crowd back. But, yeah, there's a lot more layers to it than just, you know, people going to the game. It'll be nice for the athletic department to get that bounce back in, in terms of revenue for the players to um, you have that added motivation. I'm sure that makes a huge difference, especially, I would say, in all the sports and all the sporting events, college football is right up there with probably the, the top in terms of, fans making such a huge difference on the impact of the game and, and, and getting players pumped up, football especially. Um, so it should be a really fun time to get back there, and, and I'm excited to see uh, Camp Randall rock. And I know it'll be an 11 o'clock game, that first one, but I still think there'll be plenty of people that will be up and at them and excited to get back there. So it should be a really welcome sight that uh, a lot of people were waiting for, for sure. Yeah, especially with the kickoff being against Penn State. There, that, that fan experience is going to be there. It's, it's going to be great. Um, you're going to be able to hear you two pumping um, as everybody's getting ready. So I, I'm excited about that. And I think um, most fans are incredibly excited as well, um, given everything that's transpired this past year and a half. All right, next piece of news, Wisconsin football gets some new uniforms for the Notre Dame game. Um, in terms of new uniforms, it's not a huge splash in terms of difference between their regular uniforms. A little bit different. Um, of course, a white on white, uh, white jersey on white pants with forward um, in gray or put on the W, the Motion W logo. So a little bit different. Uh, I do like them. I'm glad they're switching up, doing something different um, for that Notre Dame Shamrock series in Chicago. Uh, what are your thoughts on them? Like them? Hate them? Think they're they're nice or not? I like them overall. I think they're they're pretty great. Um, I wish instead of just saying Wisconsin above the number, it said on Wisconsin just to add a little bit more brand um, there. But I like the numbering and the detail with um, you know the the stripes uh, above the shoulder pads. I think that was a nice touch as well. And really, the number one thing that came about from all of this is we actually got the recruiting cannon now to bring about to um, our post and, and because that picture is glorious um, in so many ways. If you haven't yet seen it, uh, we put it up on Bucky's Fifth Quarter. But overall, I like the helmets as well with the forward on there. It's a nice subtle touch to, to change things up. Overall, the, the players are excited about it, and that's really what matters. Uh, it's, it's just something special. You know they're going to have special promo things where on hats and different shirts and things where you can have that Wisconsin forward logo. So I think overall it looks great, and I'm, I'm excited to see what it looks like and how it might um, compare to what Notre Dame brings about. Yeah, I think they're going to be. I think the point that you made of the players being excited about it. I mean, Wisconsin is a little bit behind a lot of schools in terms of rolling out new uniforms when they when they do. It's definitely something to make note of, and and it gets the players excited. That makes a big difference in in college athletics. You want to try something out new. Wisconsin, for the most part, has worn the same um, set of uniforms, so I think that'll get the players pumped up to be going. New uniforms playing in an NFL stadium against a team that you don't usually play is going to be an awesome sight. So uh, good on Wisconsin uh, for doing that. I'm excited to see what they, how they can uh, rock it and hopefully come away with a win in those uniforms before they're possibly put away. I'm, I'm guessing that maybe we'll, they'll wear them again at some point. But, uh, yeah, always exciting to get new unis. Yeah, for sure. All right, Wisconsin basketball and um, the Big East announced that they will be playing Providence in the Gavit games. Um, I think that's an intriguing matchup. Uh, two teams that haven't historically played much, but uh, for Wisconsin, of course, there's a lot of basketball stuff off the court going on right now. But um, on the court, I think it'll be a fascinating matchup um, to, to see how they can break down against a team like Providence. These Gavit games are a little bit newer, but I've liked the series thus far in the few installments that we've had. So, what do you make of that matchup for the Badgers? Um, I, I like it. I, th I think really when you look at it, the fact that the Badgers are going to be probably in a rebuilding mode, um, not only because of the complete roster flip, but also just based off of everything that's already been going on now um, this offseason, I, th I think you, you get a team that's probably going to be um, you know, 500 or so team. I think that's what they were last year in the Big East. 
Um, so if you can get a team that's probably going to be at your level, maybe a step down from what you are at, um, expected to be at least this year, I think that gives the, the Badgers a good shot to hopefully snag a win in that Big Ten, Big East rivalry. So I like it. I think it should be a fun game. Providence has been a team that's, that's that you normally see in the Big Dance. Didn't see it last year. But I, I honestly think that it's a good matchup, and I think the Badgers would um, having it in the Cole Center definitely adds adds a nice element to it. So I'm excited about it overall. Yeah, should be a good matchup and a good test for Wisconsin as they um, you know, prepare for this upcoming season with a lot of new faces, a lot of guys getting some new minutes. So it should be an intriguing matchup for sure. All right, that wraps up the news portion of stuff. We'll get into the recruiting side of things now. And I think a big piece of news is Wisconsin football continues their strong, you know, hot streak for the class of uh, 2022, picking up another commitment from three-star wide receiver Tommy McIntosh out of DeWitt, Michigan. He had some other offers, of course, from Texas, Iowa, Indiana, Cincy, and Wake. I know last episode we kind of talked about it. He's a three-star kid, but really I, I think – could play well beyond uh, that ranking. Um, you know, coming in with a lot of size at six five, um, line at least right now as a receiver could maybe be a guy that you move to tight end at some point if he really bulked up that way. But either way, an athletic kid, someone that you, I think you got to feel really good about. He brings something different that you don't annually see um, to the wide receiver room. So, what did you make of his pickup, and, and how do you think Wisconsin continues to fare with him? I like it a lot. I, I love his size and what he brings to the table in that. Like you mentioned, he, he zigs from the rest of the receiving room and what he um, can do. He, he's got really solid hands, can high point the ball. He actually runs really well for being 6'5", 200. Um, supposedly ran a 4'4", 7", which is, which is burning for that size. So I think if, if that's anywhere accurate, if he's a 4'5", kid at that size, I think having him outside being split out will, will definitely help. Um, I, I think you look at that offer list, that's pretty strong for a wide receiver. Um, I, I think his, his tape is, is not quite as good as, um, as, as some of the guys from last year, but you look at also at just how different he is, and I think he's going to be a weapon on the outside that can help them out in a lot of ways. And I think he, he's, he's the type of kid that I think is, like you mentioned, going to outperform that ranking potentially. Um, you know, I mean, you can you can throw a bunch of different comps of, you know, name any white wide receiver in the NFL right now, and you could probably do it like Adam Thielen, for example, who's a bigger guy, um, possession-type wide receiver, but can also move really well after the catch. And um, But overall, you look at the way that this class is being built right now, and five commitments in six days is pretty damn good, and I, I honestly think this weekend could have some more action happening as well. So I think... Right now, fans should be excited. I think he's another kid that he can play offense, he can play defense, could could, could end up at tight end, could end up staying at wide receiver. Um, and, and really, both tight ends uh, in this class, McIntosh is a wide receiver, Seagreaves, um, they're similar size. And I think that when you look at it, they're both guys that are, are going to be pass first, um, catching the ball type guys, and not necessarily blockers, which I think is good when you look at the rest of the complexion of that tight end room, and and they add a lot of size compared to what you see in that wide receiver room. Yeah, that's the the nice thing is with, you know, it's not something like you can coach up a guy, you know, in terms of you know, getting bigger in terms of size. You're either, you're 6'5", you're 6'5", and that's something that you can't really teach. So it's it's going to be interesting to see where he develops and ends up. Um, I think no matter what, I think you've got a player that you can do a lot of different things with, and that's never a bad thing. I'm glad that you mentioned the speed there as well, because I think that gives him an added layer. You know, he's not necessarily just uh, a guy that you, you find in possession. He's got a, you know, a little bit of wheels as well. For the, being that big of a kid, um, to run a, a strong 40 like that is always important. So, again, the, the three-star, we keep coming back to it, but I think that ranking is, is maybe a little underrated. And I know we talked about it last episode. Some of these guys – didn't get a lot of tape, so you're going off of very little, and this could be a guy that I think is maybe one of those hidden gems in a class. And to win him away from some other schools, you know, like like Iowa, Indiana, it seemed like he was going to end up in the Big Ten with possibly one of those three, maybe Texas in the mix as well. So for the Badgers to, to come away with a win uh, and keeping him out of those other two schools, I mean, Indiana is a school that is definitely on the rise. 
Texas, of course, trying to rebuild a little bit under Steve Sarkeesian now. And, and anytime you're winning battles against Iowa, that's always a, a big win. So I think Wisconsin did a really good job to land a player like him. I think from a lot of different angles, it's important. And uh, overall, I think it'll be a nice piece of this class. Yeah, I, I think he's a really nice addition that fans should be excited about. All right, moving on down the line in terms of recruiting. You know, last episode we were going to talk about it, but it was really a lot to get to in the 2022 class last time out. But there's been some 2023 offers that have went out as well, um, four different players, and there's probably been a, a few others since um, these four went out. But Braden Dorman of Colorado Springs, four-star kid according to 247. Reuben Owens, a five-star running back that recently decommitted from Texas. Kai Black out of Urbandale, Iowa. Interesting athlete, Preston Zinter out of Lawrence, Massachusetts as well. So some intriguing names. I think there's a couple that really stand out to you. But of those four that, that have kind of got offers that we'll talk about today, any one of them really stand out or jump out as something to keep an eye on? I think the big one is is Dorman, the quarterback out of Colorado Springs. You look at his offer list, Wisconsin's in a pretty good position right now. He just picked up an offer from Mississippi State, but his offer list is very beatable, and he's, he's a four-star kid, good size, um, pocket passer that I think they had him on campus. They, they put him up against multiple different signal callers, and this was the guy that, that earned the offer coming out of camp. We'll see if any other offers go out. Right now there's only two offers out in the entire class, the other one being to um, uh, Cam Edge out of uh, Maryland. So I think right now you got to think that maybe Dorman's the guy that they're going to circle and really go after. They've been doing fairly well in Colorado as of late, the past few classes, so maybe they can steal another kid out of there. Um, and, and really it, I think the big thing is how does his list continue to grow um, as he enters into this next season? But right now I think you look at that, Quarterbacks pop pretty early usually in recruitments um, because there's only usually one taken in a class. Maybe the Badgers can get this kid early. They've gotten him on campus for a visit already. He went through in camp. He's got that experience working with them. Um, we'll see if if maybe he was um, instead wants to go with a team like Mississippi State or stay home with a team like Colorado. But right now I think the Badgers are in a good spot for him. Ruben Owen, um, Owens, I think you're just – you know, you're shooting for the moon there. I, I don't know if he necessarily is a great fit, but we'll see. Um, and and then Kai Black seems like a really talented player that once again fits that athlete mold that can play a couple different places on the offense, whether it be wide receiver or tight end, depending upon how his body builds. But it's going to be hard to pull a kid out of Iowa um, who also has an Iowa offer. Yeah, I think there's a lot of intrigue, and I'm glad that you mentioned uh, Braden Dorman as the one to really keep an eye on because when you look at it, you know, there's there's only a certain number of spots in terms of in terms of scholarships and things like that, but it's even more limited in the quarterback. You know, recruiting quarterbacks is seemingly a little bit different than recruiting, say, a linebacker. You can move a kid around. You you know, maybe it doesn't develop. He can go flip to the offensive side of the football, something like that. But quarterback, generally, you're you're looking pretty closely on the one guy, one or two that you maybe want to throw an offer there, and then that's likely the one you're going to take and. And sometimes you take one a class, sometimes you don't even take one in a class. Or if you do, it's not a it's not a high-star kid. You try to gap that out a little bit. But Braden Dorman's certainly a kid I think that um, is, you want to keep an eye on. You know, four-star kid, um, like you mentioned, his offer list is, is good. But I think if you look at Wisconsin and where they're at in terms of a program, they're in a really good spot to, to possibly win a kid like that. But um, he's no slouch either, you know, being a really talented four-star kid. And I like they had him in for camp, got to see him in front of, you know, the, the coaching staff. They they did a full review, and, and that was the guy that they went with. So they did their due diligence, and, and now the offer went out, and, and now you just kind of hope and, and continue to recruit and see if you can land him. The other ones, um, you know, Reuben Owens, like you said, a five-star decommit from Texas. Texas, he mentioned, is, is still the leader in the clubhouse for him. I could certainly see him ending up there. If not, he's got a whole big offer list of pretty much anywhere, pretty much anywhere in the country that he could land. Kai Black is an interesting one too. Uh, again, yeah, that athlete mold is is super important, and that's the kid, the type of kids that Wisconsin likes to go after that can move around and do different things. But at the same time, you know, he's got an offer list. He's from right there in the Iowa area. That's going to be a hard one uh, to pull away. But you never know. Wisconsin's done fairly well 
pulling kids out of the the states of Iowa and Minnesota that way. So I think all three of them uh, are intriguing offers. I think Braden Dormant's probably the one you feel you know most good about, but uh, it's good that Wisconsin's going out and, and expanding their footprint in terms of recruiting. You know, you've got a kid from Massachusetts, Iowa, Texas, and Colorado Springs, Colorado here. So it's not like they're sticking to just one area. They're getting out there and they're making their offers and making their best pitch at a lot of these guys. Yeah, and we'll see if maybe there's another offer that goes out at that quarterback position. But right now, it seems like they're content to go after Dorman. He might be their number one guy now after seeing him in person. And um, I I think that's usually um, a good case and that the Badgers are probably feeling really solid about their their chances with him. And, And now it's a matter of we'll see what his timeline is because I really do think most kids at that quarterback position are usually committed before it comes to spring of, you know, in his case, it'll be 2022. So before that spring uh, that they're going in. So we'll see if if maybe they can get him back on campus in the fall and he um, pulls the trigger. Yeah, certainly an interesting situation to keep an eye on. And anytime you're talking about quarterback recruits, that's always something uh, to make note of. So we'll see if he can, um, if the Wisconsin can make a push with him and see how that situation certainly pans out as the 2023 class starts to develop. I know we're just getting off the ground with the 2022 class, but at the rate they're going, they could have it filled up pretty quick with all the commitments they're getting this last week. Um, But certainly something to always keep an eye on with the 2023 group. All right, official visits. Um, Anything stand out to you? I know we've also got a decision in terms of recruiting coming uh, for Curtis Neal in the coming days. So anything to kind of wrap up and and touch on that uh, 2022 group? Because there are a few guys that are going to be on campus again this weekend. I know it's not as big of a weekend as the, the, the previous two that we've kind of mentioned, but still some uh, key players are going to be on campus. Yeah, I think there's a couple just different developments. Obviously, right when we, we started recording um, our last episode, Christian Driver had said he was coming. Um, sounds like Wisconsin didn't have that set up and that he's just kind of been doing whatever the hell he wants and that didn't fly with the Badgers. So I don't necessarily think that the Badgers are going to be in play for him anymore. Um, but I think the guy to watch in terms of the official visitors is Vinny Anthony, kid out of Louisville, Kentucky. Um, he's not going to blow you away in terms of his measurables, his speed, his offer list, anything like that. But he, he does have some really nice hands. He's not overly polished as a route runner. But I think he's the, the wide receiver that could easily end up committed uh, by the end of the weekend. He, he's taken official visits to Cincinnati, Duke, and Western Kentucky. Um, and then he also recently took trips to Louisville and uh, Michigan State. He doesn't have offers from those two schools right now, which, I, I mean, you know, take it or leave it. But um, I think that if, if he is the take for the Badgers right now, I could easily see him trying to, to grab his spot now that McIntosh is in the fold because um, Wisconsin otherwise is just going to be continuing to look at some different wide receivers out there. Um, the other official visitor is is James Mons. Um, he's another one of those cornerbacks out of Southeast Florida, um, where Wisconsin has done really well. He's he's twitchy. He he's does a nice job of breaking on the ball. Something that we brought up with um, their newest cornerback commit, um, a Corey Lide. So maybe they could try to pair those two together. I think he's going to end up with at Nebraska, where his uncle played, and he has a really good offer list, but. Um, I think what's nice about him coming to campus is if he if the Badgers really hit home on this visit, it could apply pressure to some of their other corners. I think Caleb Coley um, and Avion Jones both have the Badgers probably at or near the top. So maybe one of those other guys um, jump on before Mons could make a decision or or you know kind of feel some fire under their feet and try to make a decision faster than they were hoping to. Um, because I, I don't know how willing the Badgers are going to be to bring in three cornerbacks. Um, Curtis Neal, that is going to be making a decision this weekend. I feel really comfortable with where the Badgers are at. I, I think the Badgers are in a really good spot there based off of a lot of things. Um, and then the other major thing to kind of keep an eye on now in that 2020 group is, is going to be uh, those in-state kids. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Badgers sweep the rest of the in-state kids the way that things are trending. Um, Isaac Ham's been a long-time lean for the Badgers, but then it sounds like Wisconsin knocked it out the park with the other big three offensive linemen, um, Billy Schroff, um, 
Joe Brunner, Carson Hinsman all seem like they could um, wind up in this class, which would totally elevate the recruiting profile of not only that offensive line, but also just this class in general. So I think that's the main thing to watch for is I think there's going to be a flurry of commitments over the next couple weeks once uh, June wraps up because Wisconsin's sitting really pretty for those guys, and I think they turned the tide in a couple of those recruitments and, and really just um, choked away some of those other teams, which I think is big. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it a ton. Those in-state kids are going to be so important to the development of this class and, and the future of Wisconsin football as a whole. I mean, they're very highly ranked, highly sought-after kids. Um, right now, I think you haven't landed any of the those big names quite yet, but you're still filling out the class really well with some of these other guys that you need to, to really develop a program. This weekend, you've, you've got that same situation with a guy like James Mons, the third. I mean, that, that quarterback room, we've talked about it a couple times now, is so fascinating to see how many they can take. Seems like they're doing a really good job of winning some of those battles. How many does it end up being? Um, is certainly something to keep an eye on. Vinny Anthony as well at the wide receiver position with, um, you know, some of these guys already making their commitments is, is something to keep an eye on. Um, Tammy, uh, Tommy McIntosh, of course, being uh, a wide receiver right now. Um, I think the Curtis Neal situation is another fascinating one. Defensive line is another big one to keep an eye on. I, I feel comfortable with him as well. I think it'd be uh, – I think Wisconsin's in a really good spot just based on everything that we kind of saw him tweet out, you know, not wanting to leave. Uh, it seems like Wisconsin should win that battle, but you never know. And I know we'll, we'll certainly have an eye on that decision because that is coming up on the, the 27th. Um, so big things happening, and, and we'll, we'll see. The way – I think we, we've kind of seen how this class is going to start to develop. I mean, they've knocked out how many commitments in this past week or so that clearly means that the visits went well. It makes a big difference to be on campus. The The class of 2022 was, of course, kind of slow going with COVID and the dead period. You want kids to be able to go on campus, but they got on there these last few weeks, and, and all of a sudden they're turning out commitments left and right. So I think that will hopefully continue, and, and they win some of these other battles and really keep developing um, this class into what could be another special one. I mean, these last few years they've recruited so well, looks like right now 2022 is going to be no different if they can keep landing some of these guys and especially some of these big name in-state kids. Yeah and I I think for perspective I think it's really important for folks to know that really in general kids are taking their time from these visits. The the fact that the Badgers have five already is pretty good when you look at um, kind of how things are trending. Um, Bud Elliott, if any of you follow him, he used to be with SB Nation um, and then um, made a shift over to 247, and he's one of their top writers. Um, he he ta- had brought up just how few kids have been committing during June so far because most of them have been waiting to go ahead and get all their visits in for June and then make a decision. So I really think this end of end of June, basically after this weekend, into early July, there's going to be a whole flock of commitments that are going to be pouring in. Um, he, he talked about the fact that really at um, that it's way behind normal numbers, um, that right now there's only 500 commitments across the entire nation. And at, at this time last year, there was 902 um, so that tells you that there's a pretty big change in how things are being done this year and how players are really wanting to take those extra visits. And I, I think that makes sense because you look at some of those in-state guides that we've talked about, they normally would have been able to come on to come to Badger games. They would have been able to visit some of the other schools during the fall. They would have been there for a, a junior day. They weren't able to do a lot of those things that would have made it so that they could commit earlier, which has stalled everything and, and it's created kind of a logjam. I think everything is going to siphon through here and filter out quickly in the next two weeks, and I would expect that the Badgers are going to add a few more uh, pretty rapidly here. Yeah, certainly a situation to keep an eye on. We'll, we'll put the cannons away right now for safekeeping, but I would expect the recruiting cannons to keep firing here over this next couple of weeks the way they have been. Uh, it's certainly a, a, a fun time of year right now with all these commitments just kind of happening back to back to back and, and really taking off. So keep an eye on that as we move forward. All right, guys, that wraps up the football portion of the recruiting stuff. So we'll go ahead and get our ad reads out of the way, and then we will get into 
the Wisconsin basketball recording fiasco. So, so stick with us through a couple ad reads. We'll be back with you shortly. All right. So in case you missed it, I'm going to be surprised if you did. <laughs> um, to give a little preface of this, uh, it was came out earlier this week. A anonymous email um, sent the link of a 37-minute conversation, which cuts off. It isn't the full thing, of course. Um, was leaked to Jim Polzian of the of Madison.com, Wisconsin State Journal, that way. Um, basically confronting the Wisconsin men's basketball seniors, confronting Greg Gard, um, talking about a disconnect between them and the program. If you haven't listened to it, it is up on YouTube. At least it was earlier today. I went through and listened to the whole thing because I think if you versus reading the whole reading about it and listening to the whole thing, I think you can find some different parts of it when you actually hear um, some of the guys the way they're talking, you know, what's in their voice, what's behind it. It's a little bit easier to understand on their regard. But there's a lot of fascinating parts of this. I think at the surface, whoever recorded it and leaked it crappy thing to do. I mean, none of these guys knew or thought that this was going to get out, and you hash things like that out in a locker room. So that part sucks, but I think there's definitely some things that are concerning with the Wisconsin basketball program right now that you can take from this. So overall, what is your kind of thinking of, of how this went down and, and what kind of happened and what came out um, from this really odd situation? This isn't something you normally see, especially at the college athletic level. Yeah, I mean there is there is a lot to unpack. Um, just it, because there there's a lot of moving pieces here that have gone into this. Um, I, I think it, at first glance it's not great, right? Like this is not not great, Bob Jiff written all over it here. Um, but I think the the biggest thing is that you hear the players um, talking about the fact that they're having. Um, that relationship piece with Greg Gard isn't there, and it's and I think that's concerning um, because you commit to a coach in a program and you want to have that positive relationship, right? Like you hear that in Wisconsin, the you know the ethos or what have you talk about that everybody is a family and, and bringing everything together, right? Like that is Paul Christ talks about if it's not the word opportunity in his press conference, he's talking about family, right? Um, now, Greg Gard doesn't necessarily bring that up as much, um, but he, when he went, went on um, Heller, he talked about family quite a bit. And it, it kind of brings you back to um, that 2019-2020 season where Wisconsin had wild success, um, came together, um, and I, I think you now have a better understanding of maybe why Kobe King departed, and I know – um, he was villainized in a lot of ways for that. Things have not gone according to plan for him since. Um, but I think it, it gives a little clearer picture as to why maybe he had left because it seems like some of the other players have, at least the seven seniors who are in this room that we heard from, um, had similar types of feelings um, this past season and that they they kind of felt that disconnect with guard and weren't able to to build that relationship, didn't feel like they were – that he had their back, didn't necessarily feel like um, he cared necessarily about them as a person. I think that is all very, very concerning, right? Like that is not a good thing to have. Um, I, I think um, – Beyond that, it, then you come back to the actual recording itself, and I feel bad for the players because, um, and obviously Greg Gard, I feel bad in a, in a in a way in this situation as well because they were all spe- speaking, you know, behind closed doors, expecting that that was going to stay in house, talking candidly about how they were feeling, um, and the fact that that re- was recorded, I think definitely um, breaks a lot of the rules, you know, the, I should say the unsaid rules of a locker room, right? Like if you're going to open up and have those conversations, you would hope that it wouldn't be then shared publicly. So I think that there's a lot that went wrong here. Um, And I think that there is many people to blame in this situation, but, but really I think it's really crummy, uh, in terms of everything involved, it feels pretty icky in a lot of ways, and I, I think it definitely tightens the leash for guard in a lot of ways. Um, in my eyes, um, what do you think? What was your like? What did you take away from everything? Because there is, it's honestly so big and so much to to take in from it. 
Yeah, there was a lot to unpack, and I would say the the big difference for me, I mean, when you first when you read about it, it's a little bit different than actually listening to it. So I think anybody, if you haven't went and listened to the full thing, I know it's 40 minutes, but it is interesting to kind of get the actual perspective that way and, and hear what some of the guys are saying, um, hear the emotion in their voice. But it, it's it's certainly concerning when you talk about a guy like you know uh, Nate Reavers who who's talking about that. They, he doesn't know if they'll have a relationship, you know, post, you know, after he left Wisconsin and left Madison. That's that's a head scratcher for me with a you know a guy that's been there for for four or five years. You know, Demetri Trice been there for so long. Aleem Ford. These guys aren't just guys that are, are came in and had one bad season and and you know aren't happy. These are guys that have been there for so long and, and to feel like you have that disconnect with the coach is is definitely concerning. I think there were a few quotes that. That certainly kind of stood out to me. I think it was Walt McGorry who, who just said, you know, you don't give an SHIT um, about the situation. I know he mentioned kind of burning his red shirt and being frustrated with that. Um, Aleem Ford mentioning that he came out to kind of play to, to prove Greg Gard wrong. That's that's the situation where he played a lot of minutes for Wisconsin basketball with maybe an added underlying motivation, which is certainly – uh, concerning. I mean, that's that's not something you want to you you want a guy to play you know for his teammates. I'm sure that's part of it, but for him to say that is certainly um, a cause for concern. And then you know the other, I think the end was uh, Dimitri Trice speaking um, and you know talking about recruiting because I think that's another big part of it. This will certainly be used by other teams to say, hey, you know, look at Wisconsin, they're having issues. Look at Greg Gard, they're having issues, and and that'll be used against the Badgers as, as a weaponized kind of way and. You know, I know Dimitri Trice said to recruits saying that, you know, they're lying to lying to their face because, you know, they it's they don't actually feel like Greg Gard has their back, but they, they you know, when they're taking kids on official business stuff like that, that's you know, something what you're supposed to say. So I thought those ones really stood out. It, it's a sucky situation because again, I don't think these guys knew they were getting recorded. You didn't hear the end of it, and you know, after Greg Gard, you know, possibly said something back. Um so it's certainly not a good situation. Uh, I, I think that the recording of it is obviously bad, and and that should have never gotten out and never happened. But now it's out there, and now is the time where I, I'm interested to see where Wisconsin basketball goes. Because I know a lot of people will say, "Oh, it was the seven seniors; they're frustrated." But there was multiple times in that conversation where they mentioned Tyler Wall being frustrated, where they mentioned some of the younger guys getting talked down, and. And part of that's coaching. I mean, Bo Ryan was a guy that, that got after people and got under people's skin. But, you know, to be fair, Bo Ryan is Bo Ryan. He's a Wisconsin basketball legend. I don't know if Greg Gard's necessarily earned that yet. And also, I mean, it's it's a different age from where Bo Ryan is and, and where college athletics are as a whole. So there's so many layers of it, but it's definitely a, a sucky situation for a lot. But now I'm interested to see where Wisconsin goes forward from here, because there's no putting that recording back in a box and, and just forgetting about it at this point. Yeah, and I, I think you – I go back to right after the season, you saw a lot of guys go moving on with their careers, right? Like all the seniors left except for Davidson. Davidson's coming back, um, and um, and you think of a guy like Trevor Anderson who, who specifically brought up that he didn't feel he, – he thought that – People shouldn't be getting called out directly from him and blaming losses on on specific players, and that he doesn't necessarily take the onus on himself at times, um, and that they were kind of defensive in a lot of ways. Um, and and I I thought most people thought that he'd be coming back. I think this maybe points to why he's not back because Wisconsin would have had that extra scholarship to use for him. Um, and, and obviously he ended up at Velpo, and he's going to have an opportunity to play, which is great for him. But I think then. The recruiting angle, like you like you mentioned, is is big because you you hear a lot in that in that tape about guys talking about that they felt as though it there the that Greg Gard's end of the bargain really to to summarize here wasn't lived up to like right like there he's talked about that he was going to take care of them that he cared about them that they didn't necessarily see that um on the day to day and I would I would say that Bo Ryan comes off as a very fiery person on the sidelines but if you've ever talked with Bo Ryan you knew that he cared about his guys um, and he pushed them like hell but he also loved them in a lot of ways so I think that there's that there's things that guard has to work on right like like we all do we all 
have to work on things. I, I'm crummy at podcasting. Greg Gard needs to build relationships with his with his players, right? So it's it's something moving forward that I think needs to happen. It seems like he was willing to to work on things specifically um, backing his players. You know, I remember him fighting like hell for Micah Potter. I and and then also after. Um, this meeting, stepping up for Brad Davison, and, and that was shortly after this, which I think is important. But um, I, I just this this whole thing is going to definitely be used against them, and I think it's it's tough to look at, especially if you're a Badger fan, right? Like um, to to know that this is what's been going on. It speaks volumes as to why this this season was a big old um, pile of crap and why they struggled so much because all this turmoil was going on. But um, but man, it's 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 going to take a little bit to recover from this because I know for a fact that there was some of the younger players that were contemplating transferring, and this is this is why. So I think there's a lot um, going on in the athletic department, in that basketball department, and poor Chris McIntosh having to walk in July one, being like, "All right, let's fix this crap." <laughs> Yeah, that part is uh, is going to be a, a tough, not something you want to step into for sure. And um, yeah, I think you make a great point, and and that's why I'm glad you mentioned the younger guys because I think that's a huge part of it. Is that you know I've seen a lot of takes online of oh it was these seven seniors and and these seven seniors were soft and then you know these guys would never be able to play under Bo Ryan yada yada yada. Um, and, and, and maybe part of that is true, but at the same time, I mean, we've all been a little bit critical, you know, of Nate Reavers sometimes. There was a few games where he didn't grab a rebound and everyone was kind of saying and thinking something along that wavelength. But I think it goes a little bit deeper than that. And, and some of these younger guys, you know, you mentioned that some of them were, were possibly going to transfer. I think it doesn't just – I think that shows you that it isn't just this senior class disgruntled with how the season went. It's It's an obvious disconnect that – needs to be worked on, and we'll see how it moves forward. I think this added layer to an already up in the – not up in the air season, but you're going to have a young team. You've got a lot of minutes to go around. Some of these guys are still going to be part of that team. I mean, Tyler Wall, the Davis brothers, those are guys that were with this team um, this past year, and and there probably is some disgruntlement with some of those guys as well. We don't know for sure, but I would have to imagine – that these type of conversations have happened more than once, and this is the one that was recorded with the seniors. But uh, based on the way the season went and the way that conversation went, I can't imagine there's a lot of guys in there that were super happy with with how the year was going. So it's going to be an added layer of Wisconsin all season long, and and maybe Greg Gard can can change and and fix it and develop. And like you said, everyone has to work on on something. Matt, you're a great podcaster. Don't sell yourself short, but. Uh, there is, there's going to be a situation where um, it's it's going to come back to haunt Wisconsin at some point, but now it's a matter of where do the Badgers go from here because it's out there, it's in the open. I think Greg Gard right now still deserves a chance, but like you mentioned, that, that leash has definitely gotten a lot shorter because if you're not winning basketball games, and this year there's a good chance they may not win as many basketball games as they usually do, that can tighten the leash on its own. But when you're having locker room issues and then that starts affecting recruiting and everything else, that causes uh, an even deeper issue. So the the ripple effect of this bombshell is going to be felt um, for a long time. I don't think this is a story that's going to go away, you know, anytime soon, especially as college basketball starts to ramp back up. Yeah, no, this is this is going to be brought. This is going to be the talking point instead of it being the Bulls, uh, mm-hmm. the Bulls, you know, comparison of how they were an old team. It's going to be this all year long. Jake Jake Ferguson's grants. Uh, granddad is is Barry Alvarez, um, but I, I think one thing that's kind of lost in this is you look at the Howard Moore tragedy and his family and the loss that they had, and we talked about how that united them in a lot of ways. Um, and um, Howard was a guy who was was a fatherly figure to to these guys and could kind of act as a buffer, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, because he was such a caring, passionate person that that really cared about the guys and and tried to build those relationships. So I think that that maybe made things easier for some of these guys. So I think his loss was really, really felt on this group. Um, And and it makes sense because they all came back with expectations. It didn't work. They all started pointing figures at each other. Having a steadying presence or – like more could have definitely helped. I know that that's partly the job of the the head coach, but 
But I think that you look at this and um, given everything that they've been through, I know you brought up that, that people had said that they were soft. And I will be the, have been the first person to say that, hey, sometimes they play soft. Mm-hmm. That there was times when, you know, you look at some of the players and that came up, right? Like in their game, in their games, Nate Reavers grabbing rebounds, um, you know, I'll lean forward at sometimes on defense, that, that, that you live with. Um, but I, I really have a hard time, and I know we're going to get into some, some, some murky grounds here, but um, I really have a hard time thinking that the players in this instance were going to be the ones that put this out there, given the fact that it didn't necessarily paint them in the greatest light, right? Like it kind of painted them to, to be, you know, crybabies and point the fingers and say that, hey, the reason we're not doing it is because of you and the fact that you don't care about us and things like that, when really – his job is is to help them win basketball games, right, and to further their careers. And so I I have a hard time seeing that happening. You see a couple of the players liking and retweeting things that point that out, that it's probably not them, lets you know that there's already an understanding probably in the athletic department of who did this, which I think is something that uh, probably stings quite a bit for both Greg Gard, probably for – the players themselves. So I think that's an, an interesting aspect of this as well, because the last thing you want is your trust violated. And this definitely the dropping of all of this and, and really kind of hiding behind an anonymous tip to, you know, to a really, I mean, Jim Polzine's a great reporter, great writer. Um, and to, to kind of put him in that situation, he's got to write it, right? Like there's no mm-hmm. way he can't write it. Um, but to to kind of go through it anonymously and whatnot and to, to, to throw a bunch of people under the bus in a lot of ways is, is tough to watch, at least in my eyes. And I, I think it really speaks poorly to the character of whoever did this. Yeah, that part is, is certainly a fascinating situation because that's the, the – I think the, the initial reaction is how did this, you know, get out? I can't believe someone would do this. And then you actually listen to it and you think, okay, there's, there's a lot of great points. There's things that need to be worked on in the basketball program. And, and certainly that's something that will be uh, called to attention. But then it's a matter of who. And, and I think there are some obvious directions that you can go to find out who it is and, and possibly, um, you know, because you're right. If the player, if it was a player that released it, it does. It doesn't necessarily, I wouldn't say that you can listen to that recording and, and feel like the players weren't, I guess part part of it as well. I don't think you can point everything from this season at Greg Gard. I know Sam Decker mentioned that you know the players aren't there. You know Greg Gard isn't the one that's not scoring for eight minutes, and it's deeper than I think X's and O's in that regard. But um, it it makes sense as to um, who it could possibly be. I think when you just kind of narrow it down, it doesn't seem like something the players would want out. I don't think any player in that group. You know, it's a you know I know Micah Potter talked about it. It's a very tight knit group. I don't think one of those seven would want to throw any of their other six teammates under the bus. So then it, it makes it seem like it was someone else, and um, it, that part of the situation is is certainly fascinating and, and disappointing um, when you look at it in the big picture. Yeah, and I mean if if you can connect dots in a dot to dot, you could probably guess who it is in a lot of ways based off of the fact that there were assistant coaches in there and there's one of the assistant coaches that's no longer there and we both scratched our head about it. So um, it makes a lot more sense and the timing makes a lot more sense because there needs to be a motive to put this out there, um, I would think, right? Like you're not going to just go ahead and A, record this if you didn't have motive and B, release it if you didn't have motive. So I think – I think that, um, you know, it doesn't take a, a huge expert to figure it out unless there's just something we don't know about, you know, unless Walt McGrory is just sitting in the corner recording himself saying some, some damaging things towards guard um, and, and everybody looking at him as he records. Um, I, I have a hard time seeing it being any of the players that are speaking in this video. You know what I'm saying? Like, they wouldn't have obviously seen it, seen that he was recording um, and unless it's just like they did it underneath their their leg or something and really tried to hide it. Yeah, yeah, that part is, is definitely another layer to it uh, for sure. So an unfortunate situation. I think at the end of the day, it's it's tough that 
this is, you know, had to go on and, and this is how it shook out. Again, we didn't hear the end of that conversation. You mentioned it a little bit with, you know, uh, later on, you know, Greg Gard was the first one to defend Brad Davison. Um, and maybe it got a little bit better. I mean, and who knows, you know, how the situation shook out after that. But it, there's definitely things that are going to need to be worked on for Wisconsin basketball. So it's going to be a fascinating storyline to keep an eye on. An unfortunate storyline if it's if it's your fan base because you don't want to focus on something like this. You want to focus on the players and the program. But I think the program, to, to get better and to evolve and, and to change, it's going to take a little bit from everybody that way, including, of course, Greg Gard. So uh, we'll see how the situation unfolds moving forward. But Really just a bombshell piece of news that um, you know caught a lot of us by surprise. But when you look at the way the season went, this kind of explains and, and hashes out a lot of what was going on behind the scenes. Yeah, I think I think we now understand why uh, everything unfolded the way it did and that this team really didn't look like they were playing and had that care factor that we saw and the emotion that we saw from two years ago. And um, it, it's unfortunate, but... Now it's in the open, and everybody's got to kind of sit with that uneasiness and deal with the follow-up from it. But, um, you know, all those seniors, I, that the guys who moved on, I wish them nothing but the best. I hope personally that Greg Gard um, improves and learns upon it because, it's. I mean, he's, he's going to be in front of a whole new crop of young men and trying to help them win basketball games and become the best possible people they can be. So, Overall, I don't think I think this is a comp- one of those complete lose lose for everybody involved. There's nothing um, really positive that could be gained from this because what Greg Gard already knew that he needed to improve after this conversation, right? Like it's not like something that he now learned more from it, um, and instead now it just paints everybody in a pretty poor light moving forward. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good way to end it for sure. So, all right, guys, that wraps up another week of the podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening as we got into uh, a little bit of everything, the recruiting stuff as well as the uh, Wisconsin basketball situation. We'll be back with you next week to talk some more. We'll probably hopefully have some, uh, some commitments and some recruiting stuff to keep touching on. So, uh, as always, thank you for listening on Wisconsin. Thank you.